It is time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN on this Tuesday, a sunny Tuesday across much of the area. Thank you so much for joining us as we take a look at uh, the program that we'll be bringing you over the next couple hours. Jason Jorgens is in here along with Bob Brogan and Shaley Peters is here too. Shaley, good morning to you. Good morning. Glad to be here. Well, yeah, it's nice to nice to yeah. have a, a new voice on the, even if it is somewhat gravelly and uh, cold like. Yeah, working on my best radio voice for it's all good. of you. It's good. Never yeah. mind the cough. <laughs> <laughs> so if you break out and cough, I'll just turn you off real quick. We'll be fine. So what do you, what do you got That's for us? <laughs> yes, so actually the reason you're hearing my gravelly voice, Susan, is overhead somewhere uh, headed south for Grains Council meeting, U.S. Grains Council meeting. So we'll hear a little more, bit more from her later this week. But as far as today is concerned, uh, Ms. Alex Wojcicki is going to join us at 1219 talking to the National Drought Mitigation Center. They're asking Nebraska nebraskans to participate in kind of a fun challenge uh to submit landscape photos this weekend for their visual drought atlas so lots of people always taking photos of everything all the time go ahead and submit them to the national drought mitigation center we'll hear more about that at 1219 uh susan actually joins us at 1245 with the newsmaker she's got ceo of the cattleman's beef board on it's uh, Greg Haynes talking about uh, selling the beef story to consumers. And then I'll be back with some more beef at 117. Steve Niemeyer, he is an extension beef extension educator. They've got their beef profit tips meetings going on right now. He tells us more about that, where you can, where you can attend, and uh, what is covered in those. So, okay. there you go. All kinds of stuff. Yeah. And I was going to mention that if Susan is overhead of us right now she's going the wrong direction because uh, that's she's going the wrong direction she's overhead <laughs> people on the east coast i go. think okay good 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 i just wanted to check all right thanks shaley appreciate it take care of yourself go gargle something or something okay i think so okay. i think so all right thanks shaley. we turn it over to jason jorgensen nebraska men trying to right the ship a little bit uh, against turtles yeah down a couple starters last eight in a row on the road against the ninth ranked team in the uh, country that's won 13 in a row they got this one. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> They've got this one. A tip-off tonight at 7.30. We'll have the game over on uh, Cami Country here tonight on 880 KRV. And high school basketball. So Arapahoe will be at home against Cambridge in that long-standing rivalry. Also, I wanted your take on this. Uh, the L.A. Chargers, to me, they'll always be the San Diego Chargers. Thank you, thank I think you. the same way to you. Yes. Uh, Philip Rivers, thanks for the memories. Free agent. It's interesting, you know, I saw where they, if they, of course, the conspiracy that they would pick up Tom Brady and that would make them the fourth uh, best odds to win the Super Bowl if they wow. had Tom Brady. <laughs> good luck with that one. Yeah, good luck with that one, that's for sure. All right, thanks, Jason. Thank you. Bob Brogan is in here. Stocks on the green right now. Stocks higher on Wall Street, led by gains in tech companies and banks. Also, Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell says the U.S. economy is healthy, currently with steady growth and unemployment at a half-century low. He says the only bad thing right now going on is that uh, deadly virus in China. We'll be having more on the business news coming up. All right, that's all coming up on Midday. 
Time for us to take a look at our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. Paul Perkins in here, and by golly, another bright, shiny day across the Cornhusker State right now. Yeah, another seasonable day on the way. Most of us with temperatures in the mid to upper 30s, at least in central and east Nebraska and Kansas. Uh, temperatures more so upper 20s to low 30s. If you're along the northwest of the line from about Ord to Broken Bow, North Platte, McCook on into northwest Kansas, but all in all, Really can't complain about today's weather. Maybe complain about tomorrow by the yeah. afternoon when those north winds kick in. But all in all, not too bad. <laughs> you know, the the thing that you that you had in some of your notes that just blows me away is that we've only had 12 days with 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 highs 29 or lower since November 1st. Yeah, yeah in Nebraska, at least in some towns in central Nebraska, yeah, 29 wow. degrees or lower, only 12 times for daytime highs, though. So been a pretty mild weather or winter weather for We've, this year it seems like last year we had 12 days of below zero temperature <laughs> so yeah that's pretty that's pretty crazy just goes to show you just never know and of course we'll knock on wood for now exactly yeah because we know what march and april can still bring for today though looking at sunshine those temperatures on the seasonal side thanks to some westerly winds off high pressure building in from the rockies tonight we will see Stay seasonably mild thanks to some southwest winds. Those temperatures not dropping off a whole lot tonight with some southwest winds at about 10 to 20 for the most part. Cloud cover, though, on the increase for tomorrow with the approach of an Arctic cold front before that front hits. Temperatures will be up to about seasonal levels. Went in doubt if we see some dropping temperatures for tomorrow afternoon. With that front's passage tomorrow afternoon, winds will turn to the north and gust up to around 40 to 45 also, with the passage of that front, some light rain or snow will be possible, but nothing major. We will get a reinforcing shot of cold air with high pressure pushing south on Thursday. That will keep our temperatures 15 to 20 degrees colder than normal with some returning sunshine. Now, that cold on Thursday, actually somewhat of an exception, and as Scott mentioned, it's been a fairly mild winter. Many locations in central Nebraska so far have only had 12 days with highs of 29 or lower since the 1st of November. Friday through Monday, it's back to temperatures into the 40s and 50s, so that cold spell not going to last long. Sunday looks to be our warmest day of the next seven days with fairly widespread highs in the 50s. In our long-term forecast, temperatures for Sunday through the 24th of this month expected to be milder than normal for Nebraska, Kansas, and the eastern two-thirds of the U.S. And you know what that means, Scott? Winter is getting shorter and shorter with those warmer temperatures. I'll take it. <laughs> Central Nebraska daytime highs during that time period in the mid to late part of February, usually average in the low 40s with average overnight lows in the low 20s. Nebraska precipitation forecast to start out slightly above normal the early half of next week, then trend near normal the last half of next week through the 24th. The Kansas precipitation forecast expected to be slightly above normal the entire time of Sunday through the 24th. Weather factors driving market trade include beneficial Argentina rain, some rain for southern Brazil next week, and active weather in the next 10 days in the U.S. A potentially dangerous flood situation will persist across the southern U.S. on into Thursday. A sharp but short-lived blast of cold air will engulf the northern plains, midwest, and northeast starting tomorrow and lasting into the weekend. In the Midwest, the active weather of snow in the north and west and rain in the south and east the next 10 days will add to the concern of wet fields coming up this spring. 
Over the northern plains, the snow and cold combination will make blizzard conditions possible as winds increase over the Dakotas tomorrow. Towards the southern plains, wheat areas, moderate precipitation from several storms the next 10 days will boost soil moisture for many areas. In southern Brazil, limited chances for additional precipitation are in the forecast until Friday. There is hope for more persistent rain for southern Brazil next week to ease their dryness concerns. Continued periods of rain expected over the rest of Brazil's growing areas. Northeast Brazil continues to fall behind in needed rainfall where crop damage and reduced production is expected. In central Brazil, some delay expected in their soybean harvest and planting second crop corn from continued periods of rain. For Argentina, the next 10 days, a few more shots of moderate precipitation will benefit developing corn and soybeans. Well, we will see. It looks like beside, we're just going to not talk about tomorrow afternoon <laughs> and Thursday so much. But my goodness, another nice weekend. Huh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, above normal temperatures on Sunday. Kind of the nicer day this last weekend was Saturday, but it looks like Sunday will be the, right. the choice this coming weekend. <laughs> we have, and that's been that's been one of the things that I've really noticed a change from last year was it seems like so many storms came in on the weekend and the weather got bad. We've had about a month worth of pretty nice weekends. Yeah, at least one day, especially on Super Sunday when it was really nice. Yes. That day. <laughs> All right. Well, it's still. It scares. won't be that nice, but it will be nice. It'll be nice. It still scares me a little bit. I got to be honest. Something's. Some, <laughs> We'll have to pay for it somehow. We've got to pay for it somehow. All right. Very good, Paul. Thank you very much. Where do you go to check in on your weather? Weather tab, krvn.com. Alex Wojcicki reporting for the Rural Radio Network, and I'm joined on the phone by Kelly Smith. She's the assistant director at the Drought Mitigation Center, also does some research about understanding the impact of drought. Kelly, thanks so much for joining us. Well, I'm happy to be here. Thank you, Alex. Well, today we're talking about uh, you guys have a call for citizen scientists to take some landscape photos for the Visual Drought Atlas. Before we get into this, can you explain a little bit about the Visual Drought Atlas and what it's all about? Yes, the Visual Drought Atlas is a growing collection of photos of different landscapes over time, showing what they look like at different times of year and in wet, dry, and normal conditions. And so you guys are asking citizens across the state and really across the country to take photos. What sort of photos are you guys looking for? We are looking for landscape photos. The classic way to do this is to take a, find a spot that you like, that you want to come back to at different times of year, and face north, south, east, and west, and straight down. Take a photo in each direction. And um, if, if there's a feature of interest, like a waterfall or your favorite fishing hole, you might want to include that. Wildlife are okay to include, but please no people. Very good. And, I mean, this is a really great opportunity for citizens to kind of get involved in, um, in some research. So how are these photos used by you guys? At the Drought Center, a lot of times um, we're looking for ways to understand and interpret exactly what the... Um, instrumental record, the, the automated measurements of precipitation and temperature and wind and solar radiation, what those mean for conditions on the ground. So this gives us a way to say, okay, at this place and time, this is what this was looking like in these conditions. And so that way, when people say, oh, it's really starting to get dry here, we're really starting to feel the impressions of drought, if they send us a photo, then that gives us a basis for comparison. Uh, we talked briefly about the submission process, but how, how do people need to actually submit these photos to have them be used? 
It's pretty easy these days with the crowdsourcing technology that's readily pretty much off the shelf available. You can go to go.unl.edu slash photoatlas, and then a form will step you through the process of providing information about the your location and the date, and um, it will ask you how dry or wet it is on a one to seven scale, and it also asks you what type of landscape we're looking at. Is it grass, crops, forest, desert, a water body, or something else? And then it'll ask you for a little bit of, um, you can upload the photos, provide description. It'll ask you for your name and email, and we just use that in case we need to contact you, like to ask permission to republish a nice photo or something like that, but we don't actually publish that on the web. And then once you hit submit, it appears on a map on the web. Very good. And you guys are asking for photos to be taken this weekend, the 15th through the 17th. What is the significance of that weekend? We anticipate that people may want to be out and about with family and friends over long weekends. So this program was devised to ask people to take photos over the President's Day weekend, over Memorial Day weekend, the 4th of July holiday, and Labor Day weekend. Um, and, and so we, we're hoping that those will be part of uh, people's fun family or friends occasions. All right. And as we round out this conversation, where should people go if they're wanting to learn more? If you wanted to learn more about other ways that we gather information about drought impacts, that would be at droughtimpacts.unl.edu. Great information. As a reminder, you're encouraged to take those photos this weekend, February 15th through the 17th, for the Visual Drought Atlas. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board News Desk, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Time for us to take a look at sports, and Jason is in here with us on this uh, Tuesday afternoon. You you asked me when we were talking about roundtable about uh, Philip Rivers and the Chargers, and and uh, to me, there's there's only been one quarterback for the Chargers, and that was Dan Fouts. And not, so, not Johnny Unitas when he spent no, the end of his year there. You know, every time somebody talks about Brady going somewhere else, that's who I think of as that awful finish for Johnny Unitas's career. Uh, yeah, that wasn't... Pretty. You know, very very few of those guys knew how to go out on top. No. John Elway. Yeah. Uh, Peyton Manning knew his he was running out of time. That's true. But most Often. times, most times, NFL great quarterbacks, they go out in the fetal position. Yeah, it's not pretty. Uh, Brett Favre, yeah. Steve Young. Joe I Montana. Re- yeah, Cameron. I remember being a 10-year-old kid watching Terry Bradshaw's last game oh, on a Saturday yeah. afternoon when he hurt his elbow against That's the right. Jets. So Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Hard to give it up. Uh, Seeing Tom Brady in another uniform, if that's how it breaks down, just will not no. seem right. Yeah, I agree with you. But we'll see. Yep. Uh, we'll see. One thing we will see tonight, the Nebraska men's basketball team, they are on the road. They'll try to snap their eight-game losing skid at ninth-ranked Maryland. The Terrapins have been very good at home this year. They are 13-0 and this season in their home building. Also, to show you how tough the Big Ten has been, remember at the start of the year, Michigan State was ranked yeah. number one in the country. They have now dropped three straight. They're completely out of the poll. Who would have figured that back in November? No kidding. It's a tough league. Uh, Huskers and Terrapins tonight at 7.30. We will bring you that game on Cami Country. Also, Major League Baseball is considering expanding the playoffs to nearly half the 30 teams and allowing higher-seeded wildcard teams to choose their opponents. <laughs> now, the playoffs would grow from 10 clubs to 14 under the plan. Uh, this was first reported yesterday by the New York Post. 
Scott, I am still scratching my head over this. There would be four wild cards in each league up from two. This wouldn't take effect for a couple of years. I, I think this has to be some kind of a trial balloon. I, it has to, but that's you're doing. You're playing into Christmas almost. Well, this almost is, to Thanksgiving as yes. it stands as it stands now. No, that would be bad. And they want. Uh, they also want when I saw some like reality show type thing when the one team picks who they want to play. I. That's a huh. Sc- it's that's goofy. You know what? You just have to look at the NBA when you ex- what they've done. That playoff goes on yep. forever. Mm. I kind of like the way they do the playoffs now in Major League Baseball. I do too. I'm fine yeah. with it. Yeah, shorten up the games. Right, have a shorter regular season. Although that, I know that then messes up all the records. But to mess with the postseason, we'll see. Mm. We'll yeah. see. Don't mess with baseball. That is a look at sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. If you want to make baseball purist mad, start yeah. messing with stuff. <laughs> Pick <right>. your opponent. <laughs> Thanks, Jason. The Nebraska State Patrol is investigating a deputy-involved shooting incident that occurred in Hitchcock County. It occurred early this morning in Trenton. At around 1.10 a.m. today, the Hitchcock County Sheriff's Office received a 911 call about a man shooting a firearm near a residence in Trenton. Deputies arrived at the scene just before 1.30. At around 1.42, deputies requested assistance and advised that shots had been fired, striking the subject. Emergency medical personnel from Trenton and Culbertson arrived on scene and transported the subject to McCook Community Hospital. He was then flown to Bryan West Campus in Lincoln for further treatment. His condition was stable as of 9 a.m. this morning. The Hitchcock County Sheriff's Office has requested the Nebraska State Patrol conduct the investigation into the officer-involved shooting. Charges stemming from the initial incident are pending with the Hitchcock County attorney. No law enforcement personnel were injured in the incident. Legislative debate was heard Monday on a proposal that would turn the state sales taxes residents pay on water and sewer bills over to the local public utilities to improve city infrastructure. Senator Brett Lindstrom of Omaha, the bill's sponsor, said that would help ease the burden on residents who would otherwise have to pay for federally mandated sewer improvements through further rate increases. Senator Justin Wayne offered an amendment to exempt all water purchases from sales tax. Senator Justin Wayne and Senator Tom Breezy then got involved in debating Wayne's amendment. Manufacturers who use water to make a product, not taxed. To the mother who wants to use drinking water to put formula into a baby's to be sur- to survive, taxed. That's absurd. So the company making millions off of the usage of water is not taxed, but the mother who is trying to just feed her kid with formula is taxed. That's what we're going to say if you vote down this amendment. I could support AM 2358 if we could afford it. It would be good for our everyday Nebraskans, and I could support LB-242 if we could afford it. It could be good for our ratepayers. It could help uh, their bottom lines and their pocketbooks. But again, it's, our priority needs to be property tax relief, in my view, and that's, that's why I'm not going to at this point. Senators ran out of time for debate before reaching a vote on the bill. A 63-year-old Kansas farmer has been sentenced to two and a half years in prison for federal crop insurance fraud and bankruptcy fraud. In addition, Kevin Struss of Wakini must pay more than $604,000 in restitution. He pleaded guilty in October, 
Federal prosecutors say Struss underreported his 2015 corn and sorghum crops by a total of about 54,000 bushels. The crops were insured with a federal subsidy, which means Struss received crop insurance benefits he was not entitled to. He also lied on his later bankruptcy filing in 2018. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder. Working to promote the beef industry. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Greg Haynes is CEO of the Cattlemen's Beef Board. And as he and I talked about the things happening within this industry, he talked about the need to be out there to talk about what the beef checkoff is doing to promote the beef industry. Maybe not to the beef producer, but to those that consume it that don't have an understanding of what happens behind the livestock gate. And one of the areas that was talked about was impossible foods, uh, for example, and the drive to have the fake meat. I think this is a case in point that really shows the importance of why we need the, the beef checkoff. You've got these companies out there that are getting all this venture capital. They've got, you know, pockets full of money right now. Uh, they've got all this media buzz going on because it's something different and something new. And so they're kind of writing this. And so you know, who is going to be able to counter this or who is going to be trying to set the record straight? It's If the beef checkoff isn't doing it, then no one's going to be doing that. So that's why this is such a huge focus going forward. And I think, like you mentioned, the these companies are using a lot of, um, I don't know, I think a lot of false information or misguided information as far as the impacts that the beef industry has on the environment or on animal welfare or nutrition. And so this information is all being used to go out and to try to counter the, these messages and make sure we're setting the record straight. And like you said, too, they're really targeting you know, this younger generation, the millennials and younger, uh, to try to get them to change their eating habits. And that's really our target as well. So that's who we're trying to reach with that. And I think that's where sometimes producers may get that feeling that the checkoff isn't really doing that much because they're like, well, we aren't seeing anything. You know, what's the checkoff doing? And I would tell producers, well, that's because you're not really our audience. We know that you're already eating beef. You understand it. You know, you love it. Um, so we don't want to be spending your money on trying to convert you. We need to be spending your dollars on converting and making sure that these younger consumers and buyers are the ones who are doing it. So those messages are really addressed uh, to them. And again, with research and and information that's been generated um, by checkoff dollars as well, then that's targeted to them and uh, trying to address those concerns and counter the things that we're seeing with fake meat. In fact, just I think last week, some of the new uh, nicely done beef messages were were released. Uh, And there's one that's, you know, nicely done beef, substituting you is beyond impossible. So I thought that's kind of good because we're not disparaging any other products, but we're kind of taking a play at it and highlighting the fact that trying to substitute, you know, something like beef is very difficult. You know, I think one of the advertisements uh, that really sticks in my mind, and I had this conversation with two of my teenagers, was um, beef, only one ingredient to make it taste like beef. Exactly. Yes, that's been another key message. And and something that we've been doing, too, is that a lot of, you know, these fake meat products, they've got up to 22 different ingredients. And so highlighting this list of ingredients versus the one ingredient, beef, 
I think is huge. And, you know, people, the younger generations, they want things that are natural and, you know, not processed and all this stuff. And so you look at these fake meats and that's the exact opposite of really what they're looking at. So I think the more we can highlight that and really demonstrate that, that that'll bring those consumers back to beef if they're leaving. Um, I don't think they're really leaving. I think they may be trying it. And, uh, but I think this makes sure that beef uh, is on their mind and again center of the plate. So taking that information, and as you said, you really aren't having that focus on, on the beef producer because they already understand it. How can that beef producer then take that information and arm themselves to be better educated to have that conversation with consumers? Right. And that's what I have found probably is one of our biggest challenges is, is just getting information out to all the beef con- uh, the beef producers out there. We've got a lot of producers um, you know, all over the country, but trying to reach them is very, very difficult. So we've been trying to build a better database to get information to them. We've been updating our website. Um, so trying to get them to um, you know, check that isn't always easy, but I guess I would encourage all the beef producers to, to go to our website, to the beefboard.org. There's lots of information there. I would also encourage the producers to go to drivingdemandforbeef.com and sign up for the Drive newsletter. So this is a, a monthly newsletter that goes out um, by email, and then there's a quarterly one that is mailed. And this has a lot of information that's explaining about what the beef checkoff is doing. It explains how the checkoff works, who's making the decisions, who the contractors are, the types of projects they're doing. And I think that's vital because the producers, to me, I think are really our army. You know, it's like we need to to utilize every producer out there to make sure that we're telling that story to the consumers. You know, less than 1% of our population is in agriculture right now. And so you've got 99% of the population that probably is never going on a farm or ranch. They don't understand how anything's produced. The only thing they see is what they see on, you know, YouTube or the Internet. And so it's vital that that we get, you know, everyone out there to be able to tell that story and spread that and, and pass that message along. My conversation with Greg Haynes. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Time for us to take a look at our business report here on KRVN on this midday program on this Tuesday afternoon. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's uh, take a look at the stocks in the overnight. Better than they've been the last couple days. Uh, The Japanese Nikkei was down, 141. However, the Hang Seng in Hong Kong was up, 336. London's FTSE was up, 52. The German DAX index up nearly a percentage point at 133. Here in the United States, kind of where the stocks have been over the last few days, they're up, but not by a lot. Still over the 29,000 level, though. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is up 24. The NASDAQ is up 38, and the Standard & Poor is up 10. The 10-year yield is up a bunch, up almost 3%. Here's Bob Brogan for more. Amazon and other companies that rely on consumer spending have been leading the stocks higher as investors, as traders and investors, focused on another round of mostly solid corporate earnings. 
Major indexes are trading above a record set on Monday as Wall Street again brushes off fears about the virus outbreak that originated in China. The Chinese government has promised to take measures to soften the blow to its economy, and investors are hopeful that other governments will do the same if necessary. The Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell says the U.S. economy is healthy currently with steady growth and unemployment at a half-century low. He says a deadly virus in China is the principal risk to that outlook. Delivering the Fed's semi-annual monetary report to Congress, Powell said that the Fed is content with where interest rates are currently, suggesting no further rate cuts are being contemplated unless economic conditions change. U.S. businesses sharply cut the number of open jobs in December for the second straight month, an, an unusual sign of weakness in an otherwise healthy job market. The number of available positions dropped 5.4% to 6.4 million. That's a historically solid number that exceeds the number of those who are unemployed. A federal judge has removed a major obstacle to T-Mobile's $26.5 billion takeover of Sprint, he rejects claims by a group of states that the deal would mean less competition and higher phone bills. The judge says that possibility is remote. After the deal closes, the number of major U.S. wireless companies would shrink from four to three. And global energy-related emissions of heat-trapping carbon dioxide remained steady last year. Newly published data shows declines in rich countries balancing out a rise in poor nations the International Energy Agency says emissions of the main man-made greenhouse gas stayed about the same in 2019. That's what's making the business news today. Did you see where uh, Popeye's uh, business was up? Their quarterly earnings were up 42% in the last quarter, and they're mainly giving credit to that for the uh, their new chicken sandwich. They're going to have to move... They're Popeye's restaurants closer to me because I, it seems like whenever I'm hungry, there's not a Popeye's within a million miles, and then when I'm not hungry, they're everywhere. Well, yeah, that's that's probably we'll talk to them about that's that. that's me, marketing, I guess. Let me, let me go ahead and I'll, I'll try to I'll try to get them on the phone right now. Okay, you, please we'll do, do that, you would you? All right, thanks, bye. Meetings are underway. I'm Shaley Peters joining you now on the Rural Radio Network. And our guest today to talk about this is Steve Niemeyer. He's a beef extension educator. And Steve, you already have the first one under your belt. Took place at uh, the beginning of February. They continue on this week and into March. Tell us just a little bit more about what you're doing with these meetings. Okay. Thank you for having me on today. Um, basically, during the winter and the spring of 2020, uh, Nebraska beef educators will be, I, I lined up about seven different beef profitability workshops for Eastern Nebraska. Basically, we're trying to help beef producers evaluate their operations and to make them more profitable through the latest research that we have from the University of Nebraska. Uh, the topics will vary depending on the presenters at each location. Um, we've have changed a little bit on the format. Uh, last few years, I've kind of done a little bit with pet, private pesticide training. So some of these are with our pesticide training with the, that would deal a little bit more with uh, grass, range, uh, pastures, and things like that compared to all corn. 
uh, aspects of the pesticide training. So that helps us a little bit to get out a little bit. It also helps to get the new extension educators out in the public's eye a little bit. You mentioned some of the extension staff that will be presenting at these, but talk more about what exactly you guys will be going into. I know it varies by meeting and maybe mention when and where the meetings are. So some of the locations that are going to start, we have one for February 12th in Boyd County, that would be in Butte, and our main speaker for that one will be Danny Bauer. Uh, It'll be a little different. Uh, because we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, methods of reseeding areas and the wet metals that have drowned out if they ever, you know, drain again and stuff like that. And he'll talk a little bit about fertilizing in the wet times of these type of pastures and sub-irrigated metals and if there's anything that can be done for grazing strategies and stuff that he'll be talking about. And then I have another one for him uh, on February 18th at 1 p.m. at the whole county annex in O'Neill. So those are just in the afternoon. There's no cost, no pre-registration on those or anything like that. So then the next few that we have, uh, I have uh, another one with uh, Holt in Boyd County on on the 25th in the afternoon and one in uh, O'Neill again in the evening, uh, the 25th. And then I'll be talking a little bit about, we have a new budget for cow-calf producers. It's on Excel sheet and you've got numbers in there, kind of what we use, but you'll be able to, you can use your own figures and calculate your own deal with on an Excel spreadsheet. Uh, we also have these unit cost of production meetings that we just had in Burwell. You know, that helps to uh, evaluate your whole program and stuff, operation. So then the next one, we have one in Wheeler County in Bartlett on March 2nd for a beef profit tip meeting. And then March 11th, Larry Howard in Cumming County has one, and it's gonna be at West Point at 1 p.m. And he's, he's got Matt Spangler, our geneticist from the university. He'll be out there to talk on that one. So so we changed, we don't have quite as many this year as we have in the past, but uh, it's still be interesting for the producers, beef producers, if they can attend. All right, thanks, Steve. Steve Niemeyer, a beef extension educator, helping host the Beef Profit Tips meetings going on now through March. You can find out meeting dates and locations again by visiting ruralradio.com. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Doc. Radio Network, we check in with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. John, looking across our settlements start to come in. Wheat still leader to the downside, but soybeans trying to mount a comeback here at the end. Yeah, it's a um, non-event report. I think the market knew everything they were going to say. There was kind of a lack of rhetoric from uh, from the China side, but all in all, you know, nothing enough to really change the trend. So, you know, probably more of a choppy market in the next couple of weeks. I think you got to watch new crop here, especially if it would fall three cents and, and go to to three eighty eight. If we take that out, that would set a new contract low for that market and probably have it run down. I don't know, maybe high three seventies would be where we go, just depending on where the beans go. I don't think you're going to have a hard time fighting for acreage here at uh, in the three nineties. And given the volatility, there just isn't a whole lot of move priced in. So, I think more of the same for corn, uh, for beans. You know, maybe in a quick shot down to the three eight sixties as we go into delivery. But the real fear for me would be wheat. I think uh, wheat report was not bearish. They raised the the the, the, um, the exports, but 
you're still looking at carryouts close to a billion, and that has really shown KC Wheat will sell into delivery. So delivery is the first notice day of, uh, of or first day of March, and my thought would be you're going to be weaker uh, into that period here for wheat. So I'd be selling rallies in, in that KC Wheat market. Now the traders are through the February WASI, which again they don't typically look to as a big report. But now, where will traders and analysts start looking for the next report, this next data that could tra- change these markets? Well, first thing will be South American weather. Right now, Brazil, no real issues to deal with. It's wet, but it looks to me like they're going to get it in. Conab increased their production, so nothing really there to get it going. Uh, the next thing will be Ag Forum, and so Ag Forum is. A I don't quote me on this. I think it's like the 27th. I think that's that's the day. It's usually that Thursday prior to the end of the month, and that'll be when they give us some sort of indication. It's not an acreage number but uh, or a reported number, but it will be where they baseline the next USDA report as far as new crop compared to the yield. And, you know, if they come out with 95, 96 million acres combined with a, a yield of 175, I and mean, do the math on that with the demand we have, you're just really not going to see the carryout grow. So um, there's a long way to go to get there, but I think you have to be very careful here, uh, not to be too aggressive on the buy side. I think old crop obviously has some, some stability due to strong basis, but the new crop is probably a sell if uh, if we're going to grow it. Now, I mean, I imagine you'll see a rally this summer, but if we grow what they say we're going to grow by September, I imagine we're back in the 350s, 340s for that decent contract. And again, John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. Learn more at danielzagmarketing.com. Do remember, trading futures and options involves risk of loss. It may not be suitable for all investors. Consider these risks before investing. And that'll do it for our midday program today here on KRVN. To hear the midday program in its entirety, you can go to krvn.com. Just click on the podcast. Brought to you by Divinity Motors. Howdy folks, this is Rick from Divinity Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to DiviniChryslerJeepDodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Divinity deal.